1: He kō e irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora, and a very big warm welcome to the Kākāpō Files, a weekly podcast from RNZ. I'm Alison Balance, and this is episode 10 already, Flying Kākāpō Sperm. In this episode, we've got a world first, and I reckon it's even more exciting than these podcasts usually are. A quick heads up that there are several parts to this podcast. First up, we're out and about on Fenoaho, Codfish Island, with the Kākāpō team. Then I'm going to update you with all the news on the latest numbers. And then I've got answers to some of the listener questions that you've sent in. Stand by, here we go. So where are we, Andrew, and... What are you here for?
2: We're on loop track near Twin Rocks, um, up near the top of Fenuaho and we're here to do some semen collection.
1: So some of you have lugged a bit of gear up. A camp stool has just come out.
2: Yeah, the camp stool to sit on. We've got some towels from catch gear, and we've got a microscope, which daryl has been carrying, which is pretty heavy. It weighs probably at least 10 kilograms, and some batteries to power it. So, yeah, quite a lot of heavy gear to shift up the hill.
1: So first of all, we have to catch the bird, and who do you have in mind?
2: Yeah, we're going to go and catch Guapo now who is probably about two or three hundred meters away from here hopefully near his bowl
1: and how are you going to find him
2: and um, we have telemetry sets with us so this is a what looks a bit like a, a big aerial with a cable connected to it to a little piece of electronics and that just looks for the specific uh, frequency that that bird transmits on and we just listen for the beeps
1: well that sounds simple of course it never actually is that simple you're looking for a very quiet, camouflaged kākāpō as you noisily bush crash around in thick vegetation. But Deirdre and Andrew have done this many times before. And that's the sound of a very unimpressed Kākāpō. Scracking its disapproval at being
2: caught.
3: Yeah.
1: So one kakapo in a bag. Yeah. So who's that?
2: This is Wolf. He ended up getting Wolf fast because he's a little bit closer than Garter, and he was hiding under quite a big clump of gani in a really nice little spot down here.
3: I actually heard him before I saw him. He gave himself away, and then I was I was within a foot of him before I saw him. <laughs>
1: It's so the well hidden. Yeah, He's
3: he he very well hidden. If he had kept quiet,
1: he would have been quite hard to find. Bird in hand, we bush bash back to the track and back to the waiting sperm team. Daryl takes Wolf out of the bag and settles him on his lap, with his head covered to both keep him calm and keep that strong beak out of the way. Then semen collection begins.
4: So i just rubbing down his back from his, around his kidneys to his cloaca and usually his feet, feet are trembling and um, like he is a bit, that's a good sign and sometimes they respond by moving their tail to one side as well
5: mm. Okay, I'm so, we'll
1: so you got a little bit then?
4: A little bit, a little bit bubbly <laughs> Hello mister
1: Let's so he gets a, um, and a wee treat?
4: Yeah, just try and give him a treat afterwards. Just lets them settle down a bit.
1: So what are you going to do with the sample now, Daryl?
4: Um, Andy's going to check for motility, how fast and how well each of well, the sperm are moving, and, and then he will prepare it and put it in the fridge for further assessment later in the day. It back at the hut.
1: So, have you collected semen from wolf before?
4: Just the one time last month.
1: And why do you test it over time?
4: So, we will be trying to check every male because some individual males will have a lot of sperm abnormalities, especially deformed heads. And it's good to know that if they are mating with a lot of females, then fertility might be quite low. If we've had some males, like Lionel, who's, who's died recently, that had about 50% of his sperm was usually very deformed. So he was he was sent off to an island away from the breeding birds. And also find out who are the good sperm donors because some are more relaxed. So it's good to know who are our options when we want to carry on with artificial insemination.
1: So you don't know why some of them have poor sperm quality?
4: Um, it's probably to do with unbreeding and we'll probably learn a little bit more with that over time.
1: So moving over to the main with the microscope. <laughs> what are you doing?
5: I do the samples so I can now assess the motility. The concentration would be too high to check it directly so I take a diluted sample put it on a slide covered with another slide and then i can directly see how fast the sperm cells are moving if they are moving progressively or if they are moving just on its place or if they are moving not at all
1: so are they swimming well
5: let's see one second
1: Now, I know it sounds like Andreas is typing on an old-fashioned typewriter, but he's actually counting how many sperm are doing what in a few tiny samples.
5: So the first counting we have in this field of view, we have five sperm cells moving progressively, um, ten moving on their place, and seven not moving at all. So the movement the motility in this sample is not the best. And now when the sample is cooling down... The motility is decreasing quite rapidly. This is why we have here a um, um, heating mat on this microscope to keep it warm.
1: They're sensitive wee things.
5: Oh, they are. They are, yes. That's why it's so difficult to bring it alive and uh, fast into the female to produce the fertile eggs.
1: So that's one morning on Fenua collecting sperm from a couple of males for testing. The next day, it's time for something quite different. And I'm up on the other side of the island with Andrew Digby. A few hundred metres away on another high point is ranger Anton Marsden.
2: My job right now is we're going to do a little drone test. So this is part of our assisted breeding programme and we're experimenting with using a drone to move our sperm sample across the island.
1: Wow, so you're going to do a trial flight. So where are we at the moment and where are we flying it to?
2: We're at hell and we're going to fly to a place called Obs Rock and back. So we're going to go from hell and back. Oh, nice one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So this is just a little practice run. And the idea is that the drone can travel the distances much quicker than we can. Sometimes we might walk between catching the male and, and finding the female. It might take us maybe two hours. And um, If we have two teams, one at the male, one at the female, we can probably fly that in about four or five minutes with the drone. So that saves a lot of time, um, and speed and time is of the essence when we're doing artificial insemination. We...
1: So you're adding flight to help save a flightless bird. Exactly. <laughs> oh well, so you've got somebody stationed at another point on the island, and you've pre-programmed the drone?
2: Yes, that's right, so we've pre-programmed a flight, so we've got, we're going to launch it from here. We, we're not carrying sperm today, this is just a test run. And then we've got Anton on another high point on the island. He's got a controller too, so he'll take over the drone and, and land it over there, and then he'll send it back again. Take it away.
1: Oh. Off she goes.
2: Anton from Diggs. It's about 300 metres from you now over.
1: Yeah, I can see it
2: now. Just land it and then try sending it back to me just with the programmed route. Yep, OK.
1: I'll give it a crack. So it got landed and it's been yep. relaunched and it's yes, heading home.
2: Anton is flying it back and we should... Be able to see it and pick it up very quickly. I can see it.
5: Good landing.
1: So, another successful sperm copter test flight. And it's not long before there's a calm weather forecast and a female who's ready for artificial insemination. The female is Esperance and the Matrix which is a document outlining how all the kākāpō are related, says that Arab is a good genetic match. Esperance, by the way, has already laid a clutch of eggs which are now being artificially incubated. She remated three nights ago, so now is the perfect time to inseminate her before her next eggs begin to develop their shells. The sperm team head to Arab's patch on the far western side of the island. I'm on the eastern side with Deirdre and Andreas. Deirdre outlines the mission brief.
3: This is a first for me and for the programme today, so we're going to attempt a sperm collection and delivery by drone, which is a kind of crazy idea, but it could work really, really well. So at the moment, Daryl and Andrew and Helena are on the other side of the island. They've just caught Arab and collected a very small sample from him, not quite enough for an artificial insemination. So they've released Arab and they're heading to Stumpy at the moment, uh, hopefully they will get enough sample from Stumpy to add to the Arab, and then they'll get to a high point, and they'll fly the sample across uh, to Anton, who's waiting just at our high point above us, and we'll attempt to do an artificial insemination. So it's a it's a great idea because it will cut down the time that it takes to get the sample from point of collection to insemination which should hopefully increase our chances of success
1: so fresh sperm so are you excited about this oh, i am
3: so excited about this it's it's something we thought up quite a few months ago
1: and thought I wonder if that would work. You have done a trial sperm delivery I think to make sure that the sperm didn't mind being flown by drone?
3: That's right we, we have tried that and yet no the sperm arrived in just the same condition as it, as it left so we're pretty happy on that front. I guess there's a slight risk we could lose the drone and the sample but the benefits if we can get this working uh, of reducing the time from collection to insemination and if we can actually increase our chance of success I think that's worth that risk.
1: Okay, well, you better find the female.
3: We better, we've got a very important job.
1: (laughs) We don't want to disturb or catch Esperance just yet, but we need to know where she is. It's not long before Deirdre has scoped out where she's hanging out. And while Stumpy has taken a bit of finding, Daryl's back on the radio to say they have a sperm sample.
4: Helen is just making her assessment of Stumpy. I think we've probably got enough between him and Arab, so we will give you a bell soon.
3: Ah, oh, that's fantastic. We'll definitely be going in for sprints from her nest track, so all good.
4: OK, I hope that she's in a good position and there's no wind, it's fantastic.
3: I know, perfect day for droning. OK, exciting, we'll um, catch up with you soon. Yep, they're all clear. It may be in the air very soon. Exciting.
1: Are you excited?
5: I am very much excited, yes, really looking forward to receiving the sample and then luckily we get the aspirants catch caught soon.
1: We're heading to where Anton is at Twin Rocks and by the time we get there the drone is about to leave the other side of the island.
3: Yep, good to go. Oh yeah, there she is.
2: Yep, I've just picked it up. It's looking good, I've got a visual. That's
4: fantastic. Yeah, keep it yep, we'll do.
1: You are anxiously scanning the horizon, Deirdre. Thinking that thinking
3: it's quite ironic that some kākāpō seaman is flying across the island.
1: This is quite a moment. (laughs) It's one of those historic kākāpō moments.
4: Yep, so far so good. So it's about 2km in. Okay.
3: You do not bite my nails but I'm biting my nails
1: <laughs> This is really exciting
5: It's always scary
3: <laughs> You look remarkably calm, Anton
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's fantastic Is it oh, dropping? It's dropping Is it the obstacle avoidance? You hear it's going up again
5: really cool, really
1: fancy. It's so cool. I'm so excited.
5: (laughs) Let's see what's in there.
3: Look at that. That's the quickest sperm delivery ever.
5: Here it is. This is our sample we're going to use. looks good. Good volume. Let's put it in the fridge so we keep it cold and warm it up when we're ready for the insemination.
3: Hey Diggs and Daz from D. We have a fantastic sperm sample over at Twin Rocks. Thank you so much.
4: Okay. <laughs>
2: really...
1: luck with that seat. Yeah, hey, it worked.
2: Hey, wicked! Thanks, Anton. Let's
4: <laughs>
1: So, what's yeah. your nickname for this uh, sperm delivery drone, Deirdre? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, cloacal couriers. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to get you to explain that joke in a minute, but first, you have a bird to catch, we do. Let's go get Esperance. I'll spare you the next half an hour as we crash around after Esperance. She's getting the better of us. Yeah, she is. Supposed to say, there's been a lot of bush bashing involved. And Esperance can move through this country a lot faster than we can. But our perseverance pays off. She gave us a bit of a run around to start
3: with. I think it's so dry at the moment that the forest floor is just so crunchy when you walk through it, it's quite hard to approach quietly. So she she took off at great speed, but we managed to keep up with her and then she climbed a small tree. Just out of reach, but we managed to get her moving a little bit through the canopy and then managed to catch her out of a, out of a tree. So we've got her in the bag. It made the drone bit look easy.
1: <laughs> so talk me through what the process for artificial insemination is going to be.
3: So I'm going to hold her with her cloaca or her vent.
1: Ah, hence the cloacal courier's Yes, cloaca courier uh, uppermost. So she's basically going to be held upside down.
5: She is. Now we have the cooled semen sample, um, and now we will we'll suck it up out of the tube, and um, then we will warm it up. By being cool, those sperm have just saved some of the energy? Exactly. We don't want the sperm to waste their energy by running during the time between... Um desemination and insemination so we cool it down and when we are ready for the insemination then we warm it up again so that the semen is agile and motile and is ready to go to its place.
1: Very medical sounds in a very natural setting. Mm. Yeah, everything's been sterilized so it's just being opening open now and and any woman who's had a s- cervical smear will appreciate some of the instruments. Yes. <laughs> Does her cloaca look different to the birds who have
3: not yet laid that you've seen?
5: Yes. Because she's it's laid four not eggs now. It's easier to see the, um, the opening of the oviduct in the cloaca because she already had laid an egg. Um, so the oviduct of the cloaca is more... Everted and more swollen, and you see some vascularization there, so it's easier to find the entrance because an egg already went out there.
3: Yeah, it seemed to go really well.
5: It seemed to go really well. It, um, it was quite clean, so we didn't have any um, contaminations in there no feces, no uric acids, which is quite important because the sperm will die quickly if the pH value in the gluaca or in the ovate would be contaminated by uric acid, so it will be acid and the semen will die quickly. This was not the case, so um, she is quite calm. Semen is in its place. Now we have to hope that one of the sperm find yeah. its way to the egg cell.
1: So, how do you feel now?
3: Relieved, yeah, yeah. No, it all went. It all went well. <laughs> Let's just hope it's worth it. And uh, she didn't mate with either Stumpy or Arab, so if she has fertile eggs and produces chicks, then down the track we'll be able to learn who's those father of those chicks is, and maybe it was Stumpy or Arab.
1: Just what every girl needs after pretend sex is an almond to chew on. (laughs) And off she trots. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Job done. Well done, team. That was quite a world first. And it was a privilege to record it for the Kākāpō Files. The team tell me that they've now done 11 artificial inseminations but they won't know if they've been successful until paternity testing for the chicks is complete which will take a few months. It has been successful for one breeding season but not for the past few so fingers crossed for this time. Time for that update on numbers I promised you. As of the 21st of February. 189 eggs have been laid so far. 83 of those are fertile 12 of them have still not had their fertility confirmed. There have been 19 egg deaths, though. 38 chicks have hatched. With the one death so far, that leaves 37 chicks and 26 known viable eggs still being incubated. Darrell texted me last night to say we're going to get to 200 eggs if only the fertility was better. I have a better feeling about the latest AIs, but time will tell. Ten females so far have re-nested. There is still some mating going on, but it's slowing down. The first of those second clutch chicks has hatched. That was from Pearl. Pearl, you'll remember, was the female who kicked off this year's breeding season. She's had a bit of a tough time. At her first nest, she had that run-in with a petrel, which broke an egg and meant she abandoned the nest. Um, Her second nesting attempt also ended up with her getting kicked out of her nest, this time by a young male kākāpō called Hugh. OK, that's a lot of numbers to hang on to. I'll put those on our website. You can check that out, rnz.co.nz kākāpō. Now I've really been enjoying getting all your questions. Thanks for sending those in. We've managed to answer some of them in previous episodes, and here's a few more questions that I put to Daryl and Andrew when I was down on the island. So, Daryl, somebody who's following the Kākāpō Files podcast had a question, which was, which are the founder males who haven't had many offspring who you'd like to have more if they
4: could? OK, yeah, there's still a few here on Fenua Ho and so there's a group of males that haven't had any offspring at all, and that includes Gumboots, Bonus, Ralph, Merv, and Joe... And there's a couple of other birds that have only had one or one or two chicks like Luke and Arab, so it'll be really useful to try and get them have have them have chicks this year. so far, none of them have mated this year
1: and what about founder females? Have you got some of those who haven't had many chicks so far?
4: Yes, they've all all had chicks now, all the living founders um but there's several now that really have never had that many. Ruth, Jean and Bella and even Alice have only had three each. Some of them have laid several eggs, but quite often over time they've had a lot of infertile eggs or, or they've lost a chick or two over time. So, yeah, it'd be very nice to get some more from some of those individuals.
1: We've had a question from one of the podcast listeners who wants, it's quite a detailed question about kākāpō genetics and... He he says, in an ideal world, what percentage of genes in the future population of Kākāpō do you want descended from Richard Henry? Richard Henry, of course, being your only remaining mainland Fiordland bird.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so we have these Fjordan descendants of Richard Henry. We have seven individuals who are descended from Richard Henry. We know that those Fjordan birds are genetically very different. They're really quite distinct. They're a lot less inbred than the Rakira or the Stewart Island birds are. And they have some rare alleles, some some rare gene variants which they don't have. Ideally, we would like all of our population to be made up of, of, of birds of Fiordland descent, I guess, because they are genetically more distinct and, and diverse than those Stuart Island birds. Um, we know as well from looking at historical samples, those Fiordland birds are actually more like what Kiarkapal used to be across New Zealand. The Rakira birds are actually really quite... Unique, and they've actually been through a lot of inbreeding. They've actually been through a, set, a second bottleneck, getting onto Stuart Island Macquarie. So, we'd actually like there to be more and more Fiordland descent. And um, we have this interesting dilemma of what do we do with those Fiordland birds? We've got seven individuals left. Do we try to mate them mostly with, or to let them breed with? the Rackera birds or do we actually let them breed with each other it's kind of in breeding letting say Sinbad or Gulliver mate with one of his nieces one of the chicks in the 2016 breeding season but that actually might be the way to go it's, it's, I'm not a geneticist if we get advice on this sort of thing but it, the more and more that we mate those Fjordan birds or they mate with the Rakira birds the more diluted those those field and genes will become. Um, so, it may actually be better to inbreed those field and birds to some extent. That can lead to problems. Obviously, it can lead to expression of deleterious alleles. Um, but on the other hand, it means that we keep some of those rare alleles which otherwise might be lost. So, it's a real kind of thorny, difficult genetics problem, that one.
1: Quite a few people have been writing in, either by email or on commenting on Twitter, wanting to know about the whole issue of infertility. Uh, what is the infertility rate? Why is it so high? Is it just the males that are the problem? Can you talk a bit about that?
2: Yeah, so overall it's 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 bad. Um, Kākāpō eggs are around about just over 50% of them are fertile. That's pretty bad. A lot of bird species are sort of up at 80% or so. So it is probably our biggest issue. Uh, we know that there's a genetic basis for it. We know that male sperm quality is to blame for some of it, but we also know that the female um, hatching success and egg fertility as a result of of the level of inbreeding in a female too. So it's definitely not just the males and it's not just the females. it's a combination. and um, we don't know enough about it. We're going to, we need more and more information now, I think.
1: And that's this week's episode of the Kakapo files. Thanks for your company. If you'd like to find out more? rnz.co.nz slash is the place to head to and of course you can find us as a podcast. On a completely different note you might like to check out my other new podcast, Elemental which is looking at all the chemical elements on the periodic table because it's 150 years since the periodic table was first invented or discovered or published however you like to put that. I'm Alison Balance, thanks for listening catch you next time. Matiwa.